we're studying how to know the will of God. And the, the, the will of God is not a mystery. In, in James chapter 1, uh, the word of God says this, that if you lack wisdom, you ask and he'll give it to you. Well, how do you ask, guys? That, that's called, it starts with a P and rhymes with air. What is it? Yeah, prayer. That's how you ask. And then God gives it to you. But then how you receive is what we're talking about. How do you know the will of God? How do you receive after you've prayed? So, so we studied out that the first way that you receive the, the, the answers to, to your life, what, what God, what did God create you for? What is your purpose? What, what, what is here on this earth? The good works that He laid out way before we were ever here for us to do. What, what are they? He reveals them to us first by the word of God, the scripture. So when you read the scripture, it becomes a living document and it starts speaking to you about your life. And you may be reading something in the book of Hebrews and all of a sudden you see an image of yourself doing whatever it is that you're called to do because it's a living word. Now, there's also guidance in there for you. The word of God is, is for your head because your head drifts. Your mind will go over to here and then it'll go over to there. But the word of God is an anchor. It gives you the parameters, the boundaries of your life. And you, you have to learn how to read the word properly. In other words, uh, to, 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 to find God's original intent and then have him show you how to apply that to your life. The, the, the New Testament was written to us. Okay, The Old Testament was written for us as an example. But the New Testament is written for us, or to us, to us. So, you know, if you, if you don't know where to go, start in the book of John, read the Gospel of John, then jump over to Romans and read all the way through Jude, and then come back and do that again, and do that again, and do that again, and you'll get it. Okay? All right, praise the Lord. So first, we discover God's will for our life by through the Word of God. Secondly, we we learn God's will for our life by His Holy Spirit within us. That's very important. That once you're born again, you have to understand that God took your old human spirit, took it out, and gave you a new one. He took the old wineskin, put in a new one, filled it with the new wine, which is the Holy Spirit Himself, and His Spirit begins to testify to your spirit about things to come, about what why you're here, how to conduct yourself throughout the day or when meeting somebody. Guys, this is good stuff. And, and it's within you. The, the Word of God says that the, the human spirit in the, in the uttermost, it actually says in, in the Hebrew bowels, so you know it's down in here. In the innermost part, God uses that as a light to communicate to you. And so he's leading He's leading its impressions, its, its maybe images. It's, it, it depends how it bubbles up. It can even bubble up to the voice of your conscience and you'll begin to hear words, but most usually, most likely they're you because you're interpreting what God is saying. Okay? So you learn the word of God first by the word, second by the spirit, and third by the church. And that's what we're going to study today. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. You say, well, I'm not very smart. Well, you can get wise. 
You don't have to have a high IQ. You don't have to be able to articulate things well to be wise. As a matter of fact, most wise people don't say much. Fools. Talk, 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 talk. That's what the Bible says. And you know what? I used to say, talk, 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 talk. And when I went to Bible school, like the first month, people said, well, what happened to you? What changed about two weeks in? And I, I, got, I realized that I was a fool, that I just thought I knew everything. And so I got real quiet. Now I'm finding that, that balance, when to say something, when to not say something, uh, things that are inappropriate, which is almost everything anymore. But praise the Lord, I'm, we're learning. So you can be wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do you believe that we're living in days that are not quite right? Do you, do you, do you believe, as a Christian, everybody that's in this room, can you remember back 20 years ago the morality of our nation? And where we're at today, we are living in evil days and you you can be you can make the most of every opportunity in this time because this is when people are hurting they're coming out of stuff and they need help They've, they're coming listen some of us are coming out of addiction some of us are coming out of compulsion some of us are coming out of twisted um sexuality and there there's people everywhere that need i need because it never stops. God keeps changing. God keeps speaking. He says, but he says, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't go throughout your day without thinking it through, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. The word of God reveals that you can understand what God wants you to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared, prepared in advance for us to do. And he'll reveal it to you. Come on, you just get quiet and spend some time with him. And he's going to show you your purpose. Why are you here? What, what are you going to do? What am I supposed to do today? I just had an experience this morning that I've never had before where God was showing me what to do as we were worshiping. And I just followed it. And I was blessed by doing it. How can we discover the will of God for our lives, where to work, how to handle a particular problem, who to marry, what's right, what's wrong? The answers to these questions are available to every single Christian. First is the Bible. You have it in your hand or it's in your phone. Second is God's Holy Spirit. You have it within He. You have Him within you. He's going to speak through you. Be very careful when somebody comes up and says, the Lord says you're supposed to. Be very careful. Because if, if you don't know in here, if it's not confirming what's in here, you throw it away. Because God will always speak to you first before he speaks to another. Now, sometimes that will happen if you have a like a twisted, hidden sin and you won't get rid of it. God will speak to you. And when you fail to recognize what he's saying, sometimes the Holy Ghost in somebody else will come up and say, have you ever had that happen? Honey, you need to stop. You need to get this. And you know on the inside it's true. And it's very embarrassing. And I want you to know that God, God never does that publicly. He doesn't rebuke publicly like that. It's, it's usually in private. Can, can you get him an amen? 
All right, so today we're going to learn how to discover God's will through our life for the church. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. The Apostle Paul is writing to a young man, Timothy, who has a church in Ephesus. Paul trained him up. He says, I am writing these things. Yes, I know. I'm writing. Yes, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. So that I am, if I am delayed, you know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. What is household of God? This is the church of the living God. And it is the pillar and the foundation of truth. Can we get that up there? The church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. In the earth... God's Holy Spirit is everywhere, and God's Spirit is within you. Well, because he's in you, now there's no more condemnation. If if he's not in you, then you're constantly hearing from the Holy Spirit, what you're doing is not right, you need to repent and change, and it's a miserable place to be. We all have been there. The Holy Spirit came to convict sinners, to convict people of their sin, and also to lead them to righteousness through Jesus Christ. Okay? God has his word here. But but what, what sets the rudder for righteousness and morality in the world is the church, because the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And when the church begins to change, uh, I, I preach things that are not in the word of God, the whole world changes. But when the church stands for righteousness and holiness with compassionate love and mercy and grace, guess what? The world changes. We have got to hold the rudder. We have got to stay close to the word of God. We, we, each one of us need to be close to the Holy Spirit. And, and we need each other because sometimes the Holy Spirit has to have some flesh on. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes Jesus, who's in heaven, has to come through somebody to hug you, to love you, maybe even to correct you. That, that's, that's why we come together. And when we come together, the Spirit of God within you, Jesus said that when we, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it will well up within us and create streams of living water. Okay. One of the cool things about being in the church, and and the church is just you. It's the body of Christ. But the, the church we're talking about is the government that Jesus established. We come together in order, and we begin to praise, and a stream comes out. And maybe it's a little trickle over here. Maybe it's a little squirt over there. And maybe it's a good flow over here. But what happens is we create this river and the flood of the Holy Spirit. We theologically call that corporate worship. When we do things corporately, we come together. We come together and we worship and we create the atmosphere because God inhabits the praises of his people. It's, it's, you can do it. You can bring down his presence in your house, but it's so much easier when we're together because the streams of living water are joining. Are you with me this morning? Second, he says, now, the, 
the, the household of God, the church, is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus says, uh, Peter, Peter uh, asked Jesus, he says, Jesus asked the disciples, who, who do people say I am? And he said all these things. He said, you're the Messiah. You're, you're, no, they said, you're a prophet. You're an evangelist. You're a healer. That's what they're saying. He says, but who do you say I am? And Peter stands up and he says, he says, you are the Christ. It's the, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who's coming. You are, you are the one we've, that we Israelites have been waiting for to set us free. You're the Messiah. And he says this, he says to Peter in verse uh, 17, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed, my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. How? By the Holy Spirit on the outside, because he didn't get it on the inside yet. You did not learn this from any human being. You learned it from God himself. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you, guys, I will give you the church. I will give you the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid will be forgiven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. What we do, how we pray affects the world and it affects heaven, guys. Well, come on. Well, that's why we do it. What we do. It's built upon the revelation of not Peter's lineage. It's built upon the revelation that Jesus is the one we're waiting for. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is our Savior. And through him, we receive the Holy Spirit. And as the church, he gives us the authority, the keys to unlock things in prayer. And the church is bound up right now by legalism. I'm talking about universally. I'm afraid to say the truth. The church needs to stand up first in prayer and begin to release the goodness of God into the earth and begin to bind the evil and the wickedness that is corrupting our nation. And we do it in love, guys. But it takes us at the altar. I didn't know I was going this way. It takes us at the altar. I'm not asking you to come out another time in the week. I'm asking you just to come a little early. Create the atmosphere in prayer. Release things into this city. You don't know how. Just listen to Chrissy. Get next to her and listen to her as she prays. And you pray. You can just be right there with her saying, yes, yes, amen, I agree. That's, yes, yes, you get it? Praise the Lord. Oh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. I love that. He existed before anything. Jesus existed before anything. He, he existed before the world was created and he is supreme over all creation. I love that. And you're in Christ. Someday, if you want to know some stuff about you now, you just, you just go to uh, Google and you say scriptures and put quotation marks in him. Oh my gosh, you'll find out who you are. It'll blow, it'll, it'll knock your socks off. 
<laughs> for, the, for through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created uh, for him and by him. He existed before anything else. And he holds, guys, listen, Jesus holds all things together. I've, you know, in the, in the movies, they have an amazing ability now to graphically show you things. And, and I've seen things where like super evil people who have powers, they just, everything kind of, they just dissipate, explode. The atoms come apart. See, Jesus is, is just the opposite of that picture. He's holding things together. What happens when you die? Your spirit and your soul leave. Then what happens to your body? It comes apart. The spirit of God, with the parameters of the word of God, created everything. Let there be light. Those are, that's the words. That's his prayer. And light was. Let the waters separate from the, from the sky and the earth. And it did. Let land appear. And it did. And there was boundaries that he placed. Prayer. Not because you're so powerful, but because you're in him. Guys, we have the keys to the kingdom. Praise the Lord. It goes on in verse 18. It says, now, I want you to remember this. Jesus Christ is also the head of the church, the church, which is his body. In, 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 he, is in, he is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he's first in everything. The, the head of this church is Jesus. I answer to him. Our leaders answer to him. We, we, we meet regularly because we're, we're, we're discovering God's will for this church and for Iowa and the nations, and, and we're putting it into practice. See, we, it's not just me. We come together. It shouldn't be just you out there fishing in the pond, having church in the boat. It should be coming together. He's the, he's the boss. We gather underneath his name. Jesus is the first member of the church. He is the builder, the organizer, and the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 4, can you go there? Okay, are you guys still with me? Okay, I, I want you to stay with me. Because this is important. I never understood this for 30 years. I, I even, even as a pastor, I didn't understand this until really just recently. I, the, the light came on. You're a triune being. You got a soul, a mind. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. You get this up here, and you are a spirit, and you live in flesh. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's triune too. And so he, he created a way that we can confirm the will of God in our life. Uh, first, by the, the, the word of God, which doesn't change, the spirit of God and our interpretation of that. And then we have another check and balance system, which is the church. God established the government of the church so that we, come on, can discover the will of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, now, these are the gifts that Christ, Christ established the church. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Always remember that the men and women in the church who are, who are running things in the church, who are, who are ministering over certain areas of the church, they are a gift given to us by Jesus Christ. I just watched three gifts. I watched Cole lead us in worship. I watched Melissa encourage us. And then I, I, I watched Lucas teach us. They are gifts. And there's gifts sitting in this room. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. This, he says, their responsibility, these, these, these people, includes pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. What is my responsibility? God knows it is not to, to, to deal with contractors. And the city of Des Moines, permit P&Z, permit and development and zoning. No, no, please, God, don't bring those people around anymore. That's not, I'm here, I am here to equip you. Lucas is here to equip you. Melissa and Cole are here to equip you. Pastor Nietzsche is here to equip you, not to solve your problems, but to give you something that you don't have. I, I remember the first time I was issued equipment, seventh grade football. All the equipment was laying on, you know, I got, it was number 67. And all, I had to go there and there was my, my jersey, there was my, there was my shoulder pads, there was my knee pads, there, there was my shin pads, everything that, that I needed so that I could go out and play the game and hurt, hopefully not get hurt. Helmet on, helmet. And then, and one kid didn't know what this was for. Um, they, I guess they call it a, well, it, you know, it helps guys in their private area. So they did. And, and he took, he thought it was a mask like Darth Vader. And everybody cracked me up so bad. Praise the Lord. He didn't know what to do with the equipment. It was supposed to go here, but he had it here. We're not only here to equip you, to give you something that you don't have, but to teach you what it's for. It's not for that. That's, that's inappropriate. Here, the word of God says this. See, we wouldn't discover those things without the government of the church, without the leadership of the church, without the body that sits in the pews or the, the, the seats on Sunday. We would know, equip to give you something that you don't have. Why, why did, would we do that? So we build it up. In verse 13, it says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We have a ways to go. I have a ways to go. Come on, unity is, is to be one. Then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of teaching Every wind of new teaching, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies, and they'll do it too. So clever, they sound like the truth. I could give you about a handful of those that are going around right now. Instead, we will speak, the gifts will speak the truth in love. Everybody say in love. Man, that's important. Growing into every way more and more to be like Christ, who is the head of his body at the church. 
Now he makes the body grow and fit together as one, as each one of us does what he or she uh, is created to do or special work. It's just, he, he makes his body fit together perfectly, fits together as each part. Say, I'm a part. Well, say, say, I'm a part. Are you part of the body of Christ? I'm a part. So you have a special work that's been assigned to you. And he has equipped you. Or you need to be equipped. And then you need to be taught or trained how to use that equipment so you can go out and do what God has put inside of your heart. The church is responsible to do that. And what happens is when God speaks to an individual about their, their calling, here's what they usually do. They say, that's my vision. No, it's God's dummy. He created you to match the vision, so he put it inside of you. And they get real independent because of the weightiness of it, the glory of it. And that's why the church is splintered, because people see what they're supposed to do, but they won't hook into a body, and that is where they will thrive. Not necessarily that their ministry is part of the body, it's an extension of Jesus into the earth. And the second thing, when people hear from God like that, they usually confuse it with urgency. They say, God, do it right now. Oh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It'll come to pass. You don't have to push the will of God. You just have to cooperate, intercede, and then do, because faith without works is dead. You guys are getting a full meal this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, that's a special gift. So, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts in one body, but guess what? We belong to each other. The church belongs to each other. I need you, Mike. Don't leave. I need you guys. I need you, Billy. I need you, Steve. Kieran, I need you. In, in, in a sense, you belong to me because without you, I'm incomplete. Dominique, are you getting it? Without you, I'm incomplete. What we're supposed to do is going to be hindered because you're supposed to be a part. And, and I understand when you get vision how you want to get so independent about it, but you won't grow being independent from the church because God Jesus Christ established the church and then he said here's how we're going to equip God's people with apostles and prophets evangelists and teachers and pastors my heart is not for you to follow me my heart is for you to follow Jesus and I realize and it's going to sound weird you're to follow Jesus through me that doesn't mean I tell you what to do or anything like that. But if, if, if you're part of this body, then I'm to help you in whatever it is that you you get it. I'm to help you. Not do it. I'm not here to do it. I'm not here to, we're not here to finance it. If God put it in your heart, he'll finance it. Are you hearing me? But we're here to help you and encourage you and launch you. You can do it. All leadership stems out of teaching. God can write, yes, okay. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. 
Paul says, you've heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He said, now you teach these truths to others, trustworthy people who will pass them along. The church instructs. Uh, almost everything that comes out of the church is, is the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, all who love me will do what may, will do what I say. My father will love them and we'll come make our home in them with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey. And remember, my words are not my own. They're the, the words of the father who sent me. Instruction comes through teaching. If we're teaching the Word of God, then, then it won't do you any value if you don't, Jesus said, obey. Uh, obey just simply means to let the Word govern your life. Let the Scripture that you're being taught or this revelation that you're getting while you're here, let that begin to change your conduct and your way of thinking. That's what obey means, not like, you know, you got to do this. It's like you come in line with the revelation and you make changes. If you're not making changes in your daily activity, you're not listening. Are you with me? Obey your spiritual leaders, Hebrews chapter 13. Do what they say. Their work is, my work is to watch over your soul and I'm accountable to God. Give, give, give me a reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow. That's certainly not going to benefit you if I'm up here moping all the time because all you guys don't ever tell me anything good. The Bible says that, you know, share the good things in your life with those who are overseeing and teaching you. Hmm. Galatians chapter six says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Notice this verse doesn't say share it with the church. It says share it with the teachers. What, what am I saying? I'm not saying, you know, hey, praise the Lord, I got a raise. Here's 10% for you, Pastor. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I, what I want to hear is, man, I prayed with this person and they received Jesus. I, I prayed with this lady and she was healed. You know, God, God led me in this way this week, Pastor. You know, you just texted to me. God led me this way. And guess what happened? I did, went that way and, and boom, boom, boom. God was at every intersection. Share good things. That way the weight of the church will become lighter for your leaders. Can, can I get an amen if you understand what I'm trying to say? Philippians chapter 2 says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me, Paul says, he'll plant this church. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. That's what we do. We impart through the Holy Spirit, through, through this flesh, we equip. And then we use that equipment to, to, to act as one mind with one or several 
purposes underneath the umbrella of the mission. All of Iowa and every nation for Jesus Christ. It's our purpose. And we've defined it in the next 24 months is all of Des Moines. We're going to take Des Moines. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We're going to take Des Moines and that will allow us to take our position of authority in Iowa to help people, to help clusters out there who don't have pastors. We can do it now through the internet. We can do it now through travel. We can be anywhere in Iowa in two and a half years or two and a half hours, maybe three. One mind and one person loving each other and not arguing. There's going to be friction. If you're in a church and you never have friction with somebody, you're not participating. People have come in with attitudes and different characters. Every, every, I mean, he's one of the best guys could come in and couples and they're like, oh, I hate this place. I hate this church. Just one Sunday. What happened? Oh, we had a fight on the way in. There's going to be friction. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What happens, Billy, when you have uh, two raw, two lawnmower blades, and you whack them together real hard. What happens? Spark. Yeah, yeah, get dull. Sparks. It's okay. If you leave the church because you've got an argument with somebody, you, you don't understand. That friction is designed to strengthen you. That friction is designed to give you, you grow in patience and grow in love and grow in grace and grow in mercy. That friction exists in the body of Christ. Come on, can I, can I, do you understand what I'm trying to say? To make your relationships tighter. Um, Rachel and I have a history. No, no, we didn't date. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and we had some severe friction, didn't we? But God, through His grace and love and mercy, I believe has healed that relationship. I made a mistake. And Rachel may have made some mistakes, but I made a mistake. But if the friction isn't there, how are you going to grow? Remember when the friction happens, you're bumping into somebody who has Jesus inside of them. Jesus with skin on. Come on. When you get mad at somebody here in the church, remember, and at home, remember, hey, that person has the Holy Spirit in them too. And so if you really feel wrong, the Holy Spirit will tell them. Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So you guys getting it? And let us not, not let us not neglect meeting together. Guys, don't think that you can do church all the time online. Sure you can. You got to meet together. If nothing else for the friction, but for the love of God and the revelation of God. And let us not neglect meeting together as some of us do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We discover God's will for our lives through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, and we discover God's will for our life through the church, which is the pillar 
and the foundation of truth. Let us not neglect meeting together. Let us not neglect the body of Christ. Let us not neglect the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus is the creator of the church. Jesus is the builder of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus died for the church. The church is the household of God. Hold on now. Does that mean you have to come to this building to experience Jesus? No. But when you come, you'll be better off. Come on. Something's going to change. Something's going to get imparted into you that you didn't have before. I remember when I was at Bible school and the teachers would teach, there were some who were really anointed. And all of a sudden, you know, I had this little truth about God over here. I knew this about God over there. I knew this about my life. And then they would teach something and all of those pieces would just come together into a mosaic, a picture of many things and, and they connected. That's what the gifts do. Please don't judge my flesh. hear what God is trying to say we belong to each other we need each other and there are people out there who are hurting it's the church's responsibility to go get them they're hurting because they don't know they know inside that they've done wrong you know when you do wrong it just you know triggers the Holy Spirit they know from the outside you're not to convict them of their sin you're to show them the way to Jesus so they can be released from captivity of sin and then by his Holy Spirit they can begin to live a life of righteousness Romans chapter 10 verse 8 it says and this this is the message and that message is the very message about faith that we preach If you openly declare, that's publicly, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, not your head, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with him. And it's by openly declaring him as Lord, declaring your faith that you're saved. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for the word. Give us a desire for it. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who calls us to thirst for you. Thank you for the church that you've established. Lord Jesus, bring the gifts. Lord Jesus, bring the people. Help us to reach the lost at any cost. Repeat this after me. We're going to pray the prayer of salvation. Why are you doing this every week, Pastor? Because I want you to know it so you can share it. I want you to know it by heart. It's not just a, it's not words. It's the ideas. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son for me. I believe you sent your son for me. And Jesus died for me. Jesus, you died for me. God, in my heart. God, in my heart. I believe you raised him from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. 
I make Jesus my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I will serve you the best of my ability for the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus. Amen.